Hello, everyone, and welcome to another week of the X Factor Racing. I'm Nancy, and this week we have a very special guest that I'm so excited to have on, Sarah Albadwi, handicapper from Horse Racing Nation. And I'm also joined with my lovely friends, Ancora, who's back this week, Mary and Carson. How are you ladies this week? Uh, my it's mouth great. is 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 a hot mess, but otherwise I'm so happy to be back and so happy to be talking with Sarah and Mary and Carson and you. Sounds like it was a good weekend then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should probably give some context to that. Yeah, I, I had dental surgery last week to uh, two impact teeth, impacted wisdom teeth and uh, molar extracted. So, yeah, I'm, I'm riding the high right now well we're glad to have you back thank glad you miss yes, definitely. thanks to everybody for checking in on me too while i was down and out much appreciated yeah how about you carson what's up oh nothing <laughs> living the life had a little ascot hangover this weekend oh, trying to stay up late to read cards with 30 horses in them and then watch races till like 2 p.m so had a little bit of jet lag getting back to normal this week but i'm here i'm ready to do it mm -hmm. and how is our yes. guest sarah i'm good i'm excited to be on it's always nice to talk with other ladies that are interested in racing kind of um, a bit of a rarity from time to time and it's always very refreshing to have an all uh, female cast of characters chatting about the races it definitely is mm. and I think I think one of the pressing questions is we'd love to know maybe how you got your start in racing yeah I mean I didn't really grow up in a typical racing type of family. I didn't have um, anyone as a trainer or jockey or a handicapper growing up, but we had a family friend that was really into uh, the gambling side of things. And she was always wanting to go away for a weekend at the casino. And every year she was hosting triple crown parties. And so it was a great time as a kid to kind of get everybody together and interested in the same thing. And before everybody had their own personal cell phone and laptop. So everyone's, you know, gathered around the TV to get excited about rooting their horse home in the 20 horse Kentucky Derby field. And wow. Yeah. I mean, I was always into horses. I, uh, I took lessons growing up. Um, I was always hanging out at the barn and I ended up getting my bachelor's in equine studies. So I've always been, uh, into horses in that way. And then kind of tying the two together with racing and, uh, all the puzzles of handicapping into everything I kind of just was like you know I'm gonna it's, it's been a hobby of mine for a long time and finally took the plunge last September and started my Twitter account and uh, now I'm here and it's been a very surreal uh, couple of months getting here you came on to Twitter like a force to be reckoned with as soon as I saw like one of your like one of your first tweets, I don't know, it, it, your tone, you set the tone almost immediately and I could not follow you fast enough. And you were like one of those people who I was like, she is going to make changes. She's going to bring, you know, so much to the sport that I'm just getting involved in. And I want to see all of her tweets. It's really been amazing 
to see your, your following uh, grow. Uh, and it's been so great to watch you. Thank you for what you're doing. Oh, thank you. That's really sweet of you to hear. And I can only imagine what that first tweet was. I hope it wasn't too um, bold, but yeah, that's kind of what I want. You know, I've, I've always been a fan and it's been tough to see a lot of the things that we've seen in racing take place. And I know that there's no quick fix and no easy answer for a lot of the issues in racing and that going to take a lot of time and a lot of really dedicated people and there's a lot of really great people in the sport and there's a lot of not so great people involved in the sport but it's nice to have the privilege to talk to some of the great people in it tonight for sure true you know and Cora I heard Sarah's first tweet was encouraging everyone to bet un ojo in the rebel (laughs) that's what that's what I heard that's what I heard. I don't know if it's true, but I, I think that that was like the star-studded tweet. Was it? I'll have to go back and check. That would have been a good one. That would have made me follow for sure. <laughs> no, I was giving out information that was not about winners much earlier than that. Um, <laughs> I think my first tweet was actually, well, one of them was about Fauci in um a race at kentucky downs because i started my twitter in september before people actually paid attention so that's one of the horses that i've wasted plenty of money on oh wow now a question since you you started without like one of those connections that a lot of people who are in horse racing and have been in horse racing since they were children have like you didn't have a jockey you didn't have a trainer etc what was your one moment where you're watching horse racing and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I can do this. Do you remember that moment? Um, I don't know if there was one specific moment, but I remember it, it was Breeders' Cup 2011. And I remember this very vividly because this is now a canvas that I have on my wall that I'm staring at while we're recording this. Um, that was kind of before I got into the form and speed figures and all of the other equipment and angles and everything that everyone uses to actually handicap the races. And I was just watching to watch. Um, and I remember I had watched replays of Hanson before the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. And a lot of people thought that, oh, he's racing at these lower level tracks and this speed isn't going to carry this distance. But that was one of the first sources that I was like, no, there's something here. And I think that they're reading too much into more of the favorites because they've been facing classier horses like Union Rags, who's actually the favorite in there. And then to see him just barely hold on in that race, that was a cool moment of like, oh, I knew that would happen. And I was right about it. And then there were many moments after that where I was not right about anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I had that. I had a similar moment like with with uh, a horse named speech. Now I never got my vindication with speech the way you did with your horse. But when I saw that horse, I had such a strong gut opinion. I thought I'm riding this horse into the sunset, no matter what, you know? So that's pretty cool that, that that was similar. I'm wondering how many other people in horse racing have had that, that moment. Yeah. I think even some of, you know, the so-called experts and many of them actually are we all get those horses that we're attached to and that we kind of pick every time in every spot that they're in, even if uh, some better logic might tell us otherwise. Mm 
yeah, I had to learn that lesson the hard way with Secret Oath a couple weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Tell us what you're doing at Horse Racing Nation, because I, I was doing some research on the website um, today and yesterday, and you guys just have so much incredible content. So tell us all about that. Yeah, so it's kind of like there's two sides of things. Like there's a news team that we have that's great, that's pushing out all of these really up-to-date articles on what's going on in racing and keeping people um, abreast of where everybody's going, where these stakes horses will be next, what happened in recent races. And everybody that works in our news side of things is really on top of all of those stories, which is great. And then what Ed and I do more of, which is the handicapping side of things. So We've launched a lot of our own products because we are very fortunate to have access to a lot of data. And so there's our pro report side of things, which analyze a lot of different angles in racing that you're not necessarily seeing in the same place in like the racing forum or people's picks or things like that that you can buy. So with the pro reports, we have things like pace angles and projected leaders, but then we also have um, one of our really cool new reports is called a sire moves report. So it analyzes horses that are of certain sire lines moving from different distances and surfaces and whether they're predicted to move up or they would be downgraded based on that move. And so there's just a lot of different approaches to things that I think are kind of newer in sort of products that are available for sale. And uh, it's really cool to kind of be a part of those things as they're coming out instead of, oh, like this is everything we have and it's your job to just sell it. It's kind of nice to be more of an interactive part of things in helping to kind of get these reports out to people and watch as they take shape. And it's just really cool to be a part of something that's a growing company instead of something that's kind of like, oh, here's your job, go sit at a desk. It's like, I actually feel like I have a voice and a say in things. That's, that's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. a great place to work. We're always hiring. <laughs> Sarah, one thing I saw on Twitter, you have, it's a horses to single report. That seemed really interesting. Can you um, talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's kind of um, a, a bunch of the data analyzes horses that are most likely winners. And obviously they're not all winners, um, but it's accurate about 50% of the time. I think for the last hundred races, we're at 54% actually. So if people are playing multi-race bets, it's just a really great way to kind of look at those horses. And most of them are shorter prices, unfortunately, but sometimes you get ones that aren't the favorite. Um, and to have something that's picking winners 50% of the time, no product is doing that. No person is doing that. So it's kind of a way to narrow down your tickets in that one spot if you agree or if you don't agree to find an alternative to that favorite or that shorter priced horse. So that's something that's pretty easy to sell because a lot of people on Twitter are playing those pick fours, pick fives, and pick sixes. I'm just going to shout out my pick three today. Thank you very much. Probably because I use the horses to single report. Thanks, Sarah. I saw that. A win's a win. 
And right, a win's a win. So, um, are there any other reports that if you were on the website and you're, because there's a lot, I've researched on that, there's so much content, there's so many things to get. Is there like something that you'd say this is definitely essential when you are putting a ticket together? Um, for me, the thing that I look at the most of our reports, other than the new expert picks with Charting Horse Value, which is from one of my favorite people, Jeff, he created this whole crazy chart that analyzes races in a really unique way, um, which is great. I think of our personal reports that we've made, the Sire Moves report is definitely my favorite. I think it's just data that like you're not really going to get elsewhere of how horses are moving up or downgrading based on what they're doing different. And even the other day, there was a horse that was the favorite and his sire was like 0 for 22 with turf sprinters. And I was like, I'm not using this horse. Like, sure, he can win, beat me. But at a short price, like I don't want to take a horse that's his sire has never produced a turf sprint winner. Like, no, thank you. That's an excellent point. Now, probably like, <laughs> probably like Sarah's uh, beef with Skippy Longstocking. <laughs> or Skippy. I throw, I throw that in there. I mean, congrats to Ed. He stuck with it. He uh, he played his opinions correctly, and he hit the try for a pretty nice amount of money. So yeah. now he has to buy the office pizza. That's what I get out of that. Get the expensive oh. pizza, Sarah. I thought oh, you were doing all the toppings. <laughs> yes, this is like some really good pizza, not like your uh, frozen pizza Wait, type of stuff. What about the and tamales? Don't forget. Oh, that was a ridiculous joke because he and I were chatting about putting together a group ticket for um, Assiniboia. And then I just like look on Twitter and I see that he's asking people about tamales. And I was like, this is not the time. We are trying to decide where we're putting our money. <laughs> Sarah, how many times a week would you say you have to use that tone with Ed? This is not the time, Ed. <laughs> Oh, I mean, everything's in a serious tone, even when it's a joke. Aww. How did you feel about him picking the Tapita horse for the Derby? You know, one of my very good friends on Twitter that I have yet to meet, Matthew DeSantis, he and I were talking after the Derby and he was like, I thought it was a joke this whole time. And I was like, there was a good amount of time where I too thought it was a joke. And then it was not. And he was actually serious about just the bomb. But with the way that the Derby turned out, it's like you can't even blame him because at least he picked the right prep. Good point. Yeah, like it's it's hard to fault him there. He did his work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, making fun of him is easy. We love to do that. We love our Ed. Uh, but yeah, he does put in the work. He is one of the most knowledgeable people about horse racing and almost every aspect of horse racing that I've ever had the pleasure of speaking to. He's just an incredible font of knowledge. I will never say that again as not to inflate his ego any further, but uh, he's just an incredible resource. I was going to say, you got to talk to more people. That's actually, oh, that's true oh, as well. Oh, I second that. And Cora. Yeah, he's he's a good guy. He has his moments. But uh one thing I will say about Ed is he is he is 
wow, just incredibly helpful. And if you have a question for him, he'll answer it to the best of his ability. And if he can't, he'll find someone who will. Yeah. I mean, I love giving him a hard time, um, in person towards other people all the time everywhere, but I mean, really good person really takes the time to actually explain the game. There's no question too stupid. There's no hour too late. He really, really cares about horse racing, about diversity in horse racing, and just is always there if you need him. And a lot of people aren't. So Ed's, Ed's a great person and I'm really privileged to be able to work with him. No hour too late, eh? Well, I'll figure that out this week. (laughs) Hold my beer. (laughs) I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna bombard him with DMs with questions like, what does this mean on the PPs, Ed? Something (laughs) stupid like sire. Uh, I mean, I was bothering him on Thanksgiving last year because there's plenty of great racing on Thanksgiving. And I was like, you can tell me like it's a holiday and you're spending it with your family. And he's like, nonsense. This is a great time to chat about this. So no, he's always there if you need him. Sarah, what resources do you use or have at the ready when you're handicapping for your own personal bets uh, and things like that? Um, and now is the time that I would like for Ed to close his ears because I am a big uh, daily racing <laughs> forum formulator user. In addition to all the great resources we have at Horse Racing Nation, I start all of my handicapping with the buyer par and buyer speed figures. And it's not the only thing out there. And you have to really get into a lot more than that. But that is the beginning of every race that I look at. And uh, it's... A lot of people really hate buyers because sometimes they're inflated and sometimes you can't rely on them, but you have to really do your research in addition to them. And it's never the only factor that I'll use, but uh, it's a great start and it really leads me in a positive direction most of the time. You know, Sarah, I, I do the same thing. I look at the buyers as well. That's the first thing I do is I, I look at what, you know, the, the race requires and what the buyers, then what the buyers are for each of the horses in the field. And I feel like this last year, especially every time I've mentioned that that is a part of my process, I get dismissed almost immediately. There are a lot of buyer haters out there. I know it's weird because it feels like every time on Twitter that I admit that I look at them, people are like, oh, like they're ridiculous and you can't rely on them or whatever. But those are the same people that are like, hey, great pick today. And it's like, you understand that like, I came up <laughs> with this because I started there, right? Exactly. It doesn't make the decision for you, but it does point you in a direction, I think. I agree completely. And I mean, when you have a horse that's consistently running seventies and then they get a one Oh one, like you can be like, okay, this is insane. But when you have a horse that's running consistent numbers, those horses are, are really ones that you want to rely on in pretty much every incident. So the next time I, I have a discussion with Ed and buyers comes up, I'm going to say, well, Sarah said, Uh, And we'll see how that floats. I'll let you know how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He and I have very different approaches to looking at the races and it's great to learn from because it's really cool to come to the same conclusion 
looking at things totally different ways. And it's also great to discuss different conclusions that you might get to with looking at things at totally different ways. So always great to have some diversity. For sure. And what made you a DRF person versus a Brisnet person? Did you just grow up with DRF or? What about Equibase? I even like, don't leave it hanging. That's what I'm I not use. even in that realm yet. I'm still learning to oh. read the PP fluently. I, uh, what about TripNote Pros? I love me some Hello. TripNote Pros. <laughs> I called it out in our group chat. <laughs> well, I there's do a lot of great stuff out there for <laughs> sure. Yeah, and so oh. my next layer of handicapping <laughs> is immediately. Trip note pros, if that's the the track that you know we're on for whatever given week, because with our head to heads, it changes every week, which is is kind of nice. It gives you, you know, some practice with different tracks. But yeah, the thing I have with the trip notes, it's like it's it's almost kind of it's not cheating, but it's like it doesn't teach you to look at. Well, I guess it could. I'm just always the one that's actually going to go watch the replay myself and be mm-hmm. like, oh, this horse was totally stopped or this horse was in traffic or this horse wanted to be more forwardly placed was fighting the rider. And I, I just always think it's better if you see those things for yourself. But I get mm-hmm. it. Like not everybody is a horse person or not everybody has the time to go watch 20 replays. So it's uh, it's another great tool and really whatever is working for you stick with it that's all that matters it doesn't matter what it is if it's leading you to winners stick with it amen i totally agree um so sarah how did how did you learn then to construct a ticket because that's something i'm struggling with right now um you know and what ticket structure is your go-to well, the ones that win. <laughs> Amen. Um, you know, nobody has taught me how to structure a ticket. I think it's kind of like there's a lot of really excellent betters, and there's a lot of people that are good handicappers that struggle with actually betting. And I would consider myself one of those people that is a great analyst but not always great at making the right decisions with what I do with my money which is something that I'm trying to improve greatly Um, but I think that if you if you start by analyzing the races you can have a more solid opinion which then when you actually get to wagering you are a little more confident in pressing that opinion because let's face it not everybody has a decent sized bankroll to play with Um, and so when you're forced to kind of stick with your decisions, it's easier to put together a $12, $24, $36 ticket. And then once you get more comfortable with wanting to get into the game a little bit more and you're playing on a daily basis or even a weekly basis, then it's like, okay, like you're, you're making more decisions that are better as far as giving yourself more opportunities not to waste money. So I would say for the casual player, when you have more solid opinions, make sure you're playing them to the maximum. And then when you get into being a serious degenerate like I am, um, it's better to not leave too many dollars on the table. Like Ed has taught me well that if your opinion is that you're against the favorite, 
then include everybody else in a short field, which is kind of what he and I did the other day. We were both really against Chateau. So then he was like, we're going to include everyone else on our ticket. And now that was a day where nobody hit the pick six. So we only had two out of six, so it didn't matter. But that was the race that we got right because the opinion was we don't like the favorite. It wasn't that, oh, I think the one can win. I love that. And see, I can't, I, I would love to get my mind to think more in those terms. Um, maybe I need to talk to Ed more about that kind of stuff, but you know, uh, I love that idea that if you're against who you think the winner is going to be, you just include everybody else. It seems so simple yet. I would have never reached that on my own. Yeah, me either. And it's like a, it's something that makes absolute sense once you hear it. Um, but even the other day, his opinion was he was against Latrusco. So he included Malfat, Clarier, and search results, not just one of them. It was like, okay, I don't think Latrusco is winning. So I'm going to include pretty much everybody else that I think could win. And I mean, they all finished pretty close together. So the fact that he did that instead of being like, oh, like I'm going to take only one of them against her was a smart decision. You know, I'm so over Latruska. It's gotten to a point where I just see that horse's name now and I roll my eyes. You know, I oh, think that, I know. Come on. I was, come on. Come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Team Latruska over here. Come on. I was on my pick five. That I'm win, over. It. It's okay. <laughs> I'm over uh, Latruska. Oh. Sarah and I are hashtag Team Latruska, Team oh, Creative Minister. Come on. Our creative minister just wasn't good enough. But the thing with Latruska <laughs> to me is, hey, looks like nobody was willing to press her early for a very long time in her career. And you don't just happen into that many grade one wins. I mean, she obviously has some sort of talent. And really, the race against Monomoy Girl in the Apple Blossom was the coming out party I think to see what she was actually capable of and then she went on a great run for a while and then somebody realized in the Breeders Cup distaff oh hey if we make her go too fast early she'll just fold so in a race where it seemed like that wasn't going to happen again at least from my point of view I had to take her but it happened again and whoever had that opinion benefited because that's what happens when you press her so I just wonder going forward if that's going to be the plan like everybody's finally put it together that she uh she needs a lone lead and when she doesn't get it she folds up well I will definitely drive the bandwagon if indeed that is the case <laughs> if if she just needs a jockey who presses her then I'm good to go with Latruska <laughs> Do you think you would see any of those horses maybe in the Whitney this year? Does anyone, do you think any of them are going to go up against the guys, the four-year-olds and up guys? No, I mean, we saw Secret Oath take her shots against males already this year. And as much as uh, Lucas is willing to take those chances, I don't think he's going to put his three-year-old filly against older males in the Whitney. No, well, no, I'm, I'm saying more like Latrusca, Malathot, like all of those horses. Do you think you'd see them in a race like that? Because we saw Swiss Sky Diver in the Whitney last year. Yeah, I mean, I don't think so. I think Secret Oath was just like the first one that came to mind of um, an option against males going forward. But I think a lot more trainers are generally more conservative about running their fillies against or, or their fillies and mares against males. Hmm. It makes sense. 
Um, and that brings me back to what you talked about earlier, Sarah, you mentioned that your degree is in equine science. And I'm wondering what kind of edge does having that degree in horse racing provide you? Does it give you an edge? Does it not? Uh, do you find that you have more specific knowledge where others don't? I'm sure you do. Um, it gives me a really strong desire to better my wagering, to rid myself of the student debt that I'm in. I'll get to tell you that. Preach. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, right? Because having a lot more horse knowledge when you are watching so many races definitely helps you when you're analyzing horses in terms of their confirmation, their biomechanics and their behavior in general. But to me, that's kind of like a muscle that I haven't flexed in quite some time. So it's, it's hard when you spend so much time handicapping ahead of time and then to look at these horses in the paddock because you end up being biased yourself by the form and it's not that I can't look at a horse and be like oh they're warming up really well or oh they don't look so great today but it's kind of like you lock yourself into an opinion before you actually look at the horses and then it can be harder to be more open-minded about what you're actually seeing because you just end up being so swayed by what's on paper Sounds right. Yeah. It, do you ever find though that, I mean, when I say sounds right, because that's the process I go through in my own profession where it's like, is this giving me a leg up or is it actually, you know, not helping me as much as I'd hoped? Um, I wonder though, do you think that the people that you're surrounded by now, uh, are they intimidated by the idea that here's this young woman who who's been, you know, looking at, at races all of her life. Uh, she may not have some of the knowledge that us older folk have, but she has this equine science degree. Have you felt any sort of coldness because of, of your extreme and, and amazing qualifications? <laughs> um, I don't think anybody that I worked with or have had the pleasure of working with on a professional level uh, is at all intimidated by me. I think they're excited um, and I think they're comfortable enough with themselves and their own handicapping abilities to just be looking forward to someone else being interested in the thing that they're interested in. However, I will say that people who aren't doing this professionally and who are just the older generation, typical horse player, um, uh, yeah, I would say once in a while there's um, people that I don't want to say intimidated, but that are surprised that I actually know what I'm talking about, which I'm sure is something everyone here has experienced at one time or another. It's just kind of what happens when you're in a male dominated situation, whether it's a sport or anything, uh, profession, industry, and uh, we're dealing with something that is all three, um, that it can be uh, difficult for them to actually respect and listen to your opinion without thinking that they automatically know better than you. But I think that anybody that is actually paying attention to my handicapping opinions and what I have to say is pretty aware that I do my research and that I take the time to know what I'm talking about to the best of my ability. And then I'm always increasing that ability by learning more. 
Absolutely. It, it does not seem for one second that you are resting on the knowledge that you already have. Like your, your Twitter account alone makes it very clear that you are seeking to learn as much as possible from whoever's willing, you know, to help out or give you the information that you need. I love that. I think it's fantastic for horse racing. And I hope that mentality spreads more. Yeah. I mean, some might call it obsessed or uh, that I have no life at all, which is uh, true for both. But I, I actually really want to be the best. Like I, I want to be so good at this that I can look at a race in a couple of minutes and get a grasp of what's going on and be able to handicap all sorts of different tracks and understand all kinds of different angles. And you're never going to be able to predict every race or everything that's going to happen in the race. And that's kind of why it's so exciting. So I always want to learn more is that you're never going to know everything. And I think knowing that you're never going to know everything is a really important mindset to go into this with, but still want to know as much as you possibly can. What would you say is the last thing you learned that you were like, wow, that's a bit of a game changer? Um, I mean, the other day I was looking over different things um in terms of how could I have possibly missed one horse in my uh early pick five that I made a $12 ticket for and not only was it a situation where if a horse was progressively decreasing their buyer speed figure they were unlikely to win but it was just even if they had taken a couple steps backwards in terms of what number that was um, in their last start, they were very unlikely to win their upcoming start that I was analyzing for that day. But that seems to be something that's held true more so for um, stakes races and allowance races and not really just like your maiden claimers or your lower level claiming horses where there's more inconsistencies in those horses running patterns. So that was kind of something that I wanted to look into a little bit more. I was like, Oh, like, why have I never thought of this? This seems so obvious, but it's, it's, you can never find that angle. That's always going to work every time. For sure. So with, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. So with that, Sarah, what was your um, best play and how much did you win? Like my best ticket ever? Yeah, yeah, your best. Yeah, like there was a pick three, pick five. Like which one and how much money did you win? Uh, that would be my pinned tweet at Gulfstream earlier this year. Uh, I hit a pick five on a $16 ticket for about 4700 And that was a day that I didn't spend that much time handicapping at all. I was just looking at the buyer par and was like, I'm going to put in a small ticket just to you know play for some action. These horses make sense. And then by the time I got to the fourth race, I was like, oh, this might actually happen. And then it paid pretty well since uh, all almost all those horses were at least like five, six to one. Wow. I can't even imagine winning that much right now. It's beyond me. <laughs> I, I'd love that for law school. So I'm going to keep trying over here. Oh, I bet. Sarah, I'm going to hit you up later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, try being one away from a payout that paid 42,000. <laughs> oh, oh, good Lord. That would be a rough, a rough day. The rest of that day, I'd be like, no, I'm done. <laughs> yeah i know it was the other day <laughs> oh no oh, oh no so you're still kind of burning no. got it yeah <laughs> yeah 
I mean, like that, that, that amount of money would be pretty life-changing <laughs> for almost anyone. So hey, yeah. 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 Especially now be amazing. Right. Get a couple gases, uh, get a couple tanks of gas out of that. Oh, I know. You know, gas prices went down a couple cents today, uh, from what I had seen the past few weeks. So I was like, you know, I'm driving around with a little bit more hope. There you go. There you go. I like it. So uh, being in, you've mentioned this already, uh, but being in horse racing, a male dominated sport, and then coming on to Twitter, uh, what kind of plan did you have for the haters? If there was a plan at all? Uh, I definitely did not have a plan. Uh, Twitter used to be a really nice place <laughs> when I had about a hundred followers and nobody listened to anything that I said. It was great. <laughs> it was just me yelling into a fake blue bird and talking about racing with a couple of decent people. And, you know, being that person in your friend group, that is the only one into something it was just so nice to actually find people that wanted to talk about racing with me. So I was like, this is wonderful. Like this is a nice little, you know, social media platform. And then obviously more people start paying attention and the more people there are, the more people there are that suck. So, um, I I had no specific plan, but I spent several years waitressing and bartending where it was like my job to be nice, uh, kind of at all costs. So just having the opportunity to be honest instead has been wonderful. Oh, I bet. I bet. Do you make use of your, your block button or is it more of a mute button or what, what is your go-to when dealing with someone who is attacking you or not necessarily being as, as cordial as they could be? Um, unfortunately the go-to is to make fun of them first. Um, Love it. (laughs) And to highlight the behavior, whatever it might be as, uh, being totally unacceptable and ridiculous because most people would agree, um, with whatever that is. So I, I bring it up first. Um, and then if it happens again, it's a, it's a block, but there are plenty of people that they haven't necessarily done anything wrong but they kind of just have a comment on everything that I post. And so that's a mute. Like, I don't have to block you. You're not saying anything terrible. You're not doing anything inappropriate, but it's just weird that you have something to say about everything that I have to say. So I don't need to see it. Right? Like, dude, get a hobby that's not me. Right, like nothing I have to say is that important that there needs to be a comment on all of it. Exactly, right? Like nothing I'm saying is going to cure cancer. You could take a break, buddy. This next tweet's on me, you know? (laughs) Right. I'm a big Sarah fan. I was going to say, I'm a big Sarah fan. So, you know. Yeah, but you don't comment on everything I have to say. No, no. (laughs) You have a life. No, but (laughs) definitely not. You go to school where you're going to go to school you volunteer you have a job you like to run you do things with your life <laughs> thank you sir those are probably the six things that I do five or six. that's about I, it I definitely do at least one less so. 
that was definitely, I don't know if that you guys may be too young for this, but there was a great movie that came out a long time ago called The Help. And she's, you is kind, you is smart. That's what you Sarah just important. did. Exactly. Yeah, she just literally yeah. did that. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. She just Sarah. did that for Nancy. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. All right. Now to the nitty gritty. What's it like working with Ed DeRosa? <laughs> fun I mean again like you never know if you're being serious or if you're joking or what he's going to ask you about the newest youth slang um (laughs) it's it's great and my little cubicle area is in a totally different room and he's in an office far far away so my interaction with people at work is very much so what I want it to be um (laughs) And we all is it talk like, black all day. So is it like that. open con- is it like open concept? And then Ed's just on his own island, is what it's sounding like. <laughs> uh no, he's not he is not the only one that has an office in the line of offices. Um, but I'm out in the bigger room with a couple tables and my monitor and all that. So I actually have the, technically the biggest office of all because one of our uh, other employees got a new job in uh working in Missouri. So the room is mine for the most part, but no, it's great. Um, we have the occasional lunch at Chipotle or other uh, local places. Skyline. Um, yeah. So yeah. every time I see a Skyline chili, I just, my face yeah, I don't go with there with him. <laughs> that's all, that's all it. I'm not a Skyline fan. So Ooh, that's gonna hit, that's gonna hit your performance review, Sarah. Yeah, we, we, we that probably should probably have that on recording. Your <laughs> oh, end no. review. It's not a secret. <laughs> It'll Did be you... the reason I don't get a raise. Oh! <laughs> oh no! There we go. Um, do you find that the people that is this the job? Like, I, I'm not going to ask you any questions that would be inappropriate, but I, so I'm trying to figure out how I want to ask the question. <laughs> Um, do you feel like this is a job where, where you are going to do the best work that you've done thus far in horse racing? And I would imagine the answer is yes, but why do you think that? What, um, what is it about this company that sets you up for success? I feel like I understand what you're trying to ask from uh, what you're not asking, but I will say this. Um, Horse Racing Nation is a really great company to start with because it's a smaller group of people that are really passionate about racing and are doing everything they can to help people get into the game and be successful. And I think that a lot of our products are really affordable. You're given the opportunity in a lot of different articles and in the things that Ed and I tweet out um, to kind of see what they're like before you commit to purchasing and get a feel for whether or not it would help your personal handicapping. And it's just really cool to feel like a member of a team instead of an employee. And I think that a lot of other places, if I had started there with my very limited experience in doing this professionally, it would have been totally overwhelming. And not that I couldn't have figured it out, but I mean, like I didn't have experience with being on camera or with talking to another host while doing any sort of live stream or recording videos with somebody. So there's a huge difference in 
sitting alone in your bedroom and thinking about which horse is going to win which race and then telling an audience about it. And so being able to kind of acclimate to that with professionals that are very encouraging and that really want to see you succeed and help you get there is I think something that isn't necessarily true for every company in the industry. So it's nice to have found that at HRN. I can imagine. Um, and that is one of the things that, uh, I have heard about HRN cause I, I am in a group chat with Ed and he always just has lovely things to say about the people, the manpower there. He says, you know, uh, you guys, it sounds like you're unbeatable. You're like a little family. So it sounds great. Makes me want to explore the, the product and the website far more. Yeah, if you ever wanna wanna check anything out, let me know. I'm happy to send a free sample or two. Woohoo! I like the sound of free sample. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's great. It's nice to you know go into the office and you actually see the people that you work with instead of you know just communicating with them online, which we yeah. do as well. And it's nice to have the option to be like, oh, I'm going to work from home today if I have to, or, you know, they can be like, oh, I'm you know at home with the kids or, oh, I have to leave. And it's just like, it's nice that everybody kind of trusts each other to get the work done and to care about doing that instead of, you like know, adults. this is the deadline. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. How weird is that? I love it. So when you're not thinking uh, eating, living, sleeping, horse racing. What are you doing? What are some of your hobbies outside of horse racing? And besides me randomly texting Sarah, Hey, you want to come to the track with me? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like a random Tuesday. No, we had fun. Um, you know, if you had asked me this question, what do I do outside of racing about six months ago, there would have been a lot of answers. And now I really have nothing to give anyone. Uh, I have a dog and I enjoy taking her out for walks. Um, and I do nothing else <laughs> except figure out which horse is the fastest. Like I wake up and I think about racing and I go to sleep and I dream about racing and it is it is very much all consuming and I love it, but it's, uh, it's kind of all I think about now. Right. And so I think you're, you're an amazing role model for some of these younger people who are in horse racing, because what you just described is what a lot of us wish we could be doing, which is just kind of living the dream, you know, doing horse racing every day, looking over reports, at least, you know, if this teaching gig doesn't work out, I'm definitely quitting and coming in racing full time so but it sounds great I'm sure you get tired and and wish you had days off but uh it sounds like you're you're living the dream yeah I mean I I never thought that this would actually be my job so it's um I mean I used to spend all day doing what I'm already doing and then I would go waitress or bartend at night and then after work I would get on my laptop and then be looking at the races again so no I think it's important to at least like take a break at some point during your day and focus on something else or at least like get a meal or you know think about something else other than racing, because as much as you love something, if you're doing it 24 seven, you're just not going to see the clear picture and you end up, you know, thinking, how could I not get to this horse? Um, And then you go back and obsess over it endlessly. So it's important to have other things to do, no matter what it is that you're doing. 
couldn't agree more. Um, we are at the end of Ju uh, July, starting the X Factor Racing's first H2H league. And you have been gracious enough to join us in, in our first season. Do you play in head-to-head -head leagues? Is this going to be your first one or where, where are you at with that? I mean, I'm definitely down to join in. Uh, I've played a couple of head-to-head -head bets uh, against my coworker. <laughs> we usually just bet on, uh, there's a coffee shop next to our office called Blackbeard. So it'll be coffee and breakfast. Um, but it'll be nice to play against other people. Will your strategy, your handicapping strategy change very much when it's just you versus, you know, versus someone else weekly? Um, yeah. And yes and no. I mean, Ed and I usually go, do head to heads over silly stuff because I feel like one of us is just digging our heels in on an opinion um, that may not be our best opinions. Um, but if it's an actual competition against other people, um, that there's multiple people, uh, yes, I would, I would put my best foot forward. Okay. That scares me. I really hope I don't end up in your group. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to be in the lazy handicapping group where we're all just kind of like getting our feet wet and it's like, okay, we'll figure this out together. Ah. All right. Well, I look forward to playing, you know, if I end up in your group, I don't know how Gorgo uh, has this looking yet, but I, I would love to, to go against you one weekend and lose spectacularly, but to Sarah, I would lose. So. <laughs> Just because I do the work doesn't mean that I know what I'm talking about. There's well, still plenty of times you can get to the wrong answer, even if you do your homework. And that's what kills me about this damn game is that I could put in hours and hours and hours of effort and be sold on this horse. And then, you know, the two that I didn't even pay attention to wins by 10 lengths. Oh, tell me about it. I mean, a great weekend. And then yesterday it's like, I didn't even look at the form. So. Yeah. 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 Oh goodness. Mm. That's racing. <laughs> Too true. And a funny Ed DeRosa story. I don't know what we were talking about. It, it might have even been something to do with like Scooby Lawn Stockings. And, and he was like, here to make it interesting. And we said like five bucks. But the thing is, is I was just making a joke. Like the Milwaukee bucks. So I sent like a photo of five of them. And I'm like, you're on. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's honestly, I, that was great content that Ed probably did not appreciate as much as as someone else so i will use it again no i guarantee that if anybody appreciated that it was him <laughs> right ed looks like he was built on dad jokes yeah i was oh, gonna say absolutely. what's the over under on dad jokes per week with the oh yeah with an ed show <laughs> yeah i mean i told you about the uh, i well, i told you i think before we started recording that um I did a video recording earlier with Angela Herman and her last name is spelled with two N's. And so then he was like, my favorite joke is which N is silent. And I was like, oh God, like <laughs> just stop. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely would have deserved an eye roll for sure. Oh, it got one. He just didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love knowing that there's someone in Ed's office who can irritate him as much as we do. Uh, 
That's why he hired me, right? <laughs> there we go. Got to put together an office prank at some point. Just don't tell him yet. Yeah, we'll have to come up with something. I hope he's listening to this right now. We'll have to force him to listen. I'm still in, yeah. in a group chat with him. So I'll be like, Ed, this is your week. It's your 15 minutes, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like trolling him because he was trying to troll me. And um, I posted like a photo. You know, the candies like sugar daddies and sugar babies. I, I saw this yes. on Snapchat. <laughs> yeah, I posted it because it's like a meme, like the sugar daddies meme. And I posted a photo and Ed wrote back something like, this is gross. And I'm like, you're gross. I'm like, uh, <laughs> like why, is it, why is it my gut instinct to like, whenever someone says something like, oh, that's weird. I'll be like, you're weird. And just I do like, the same immediately, thing. It's an immediate reaction. Yeah, I, I do the same thing constantly. And I, but I work with kids. So I feel like my mentality most days is that of a 15 or 16 year old, which I'm good with. My adult friends are not, but whatevs. So <laughs> whatever did all that. Um, so one last question for Sarah. Sarah, where do you see yourself in the industry? And this is the lamest question. This is like an actor studio question. Where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah. Where do you see yourself in five years, Sarah? Oh, bold of you all to assume that <laughs> I'll make it another five years. Um, uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not that person that plans ahead enough and um, working for someone, not Ed, but Mark Midland, who is the CEO of Horse Racing Nation, who is such a planner. It's definitely good for me to start thinking more that way and actually... Uh, plan for the future a little bit better than I have in the past, which is probably why it took me so long to get into horse racing as a career in the first place. But um, I have I have some big goals for myself. Um, we'll see how they all pan out. But uh, I'm really loving where I'm starting. And I'm just thinking that there's uh, a lot of opportunities in the future available for where I might go with all of my uh, handicapping in general. But the real goal is I'm 75. I'm riding a mobile scooter around Saratoga every day with my racing form <laughs> and in a basket. And I have uh, an in like a non-discreet type of cup like a yeti or something that's just always filled with wine and that's all i do for the for every race meet i'm at saratoga belmont aqueduct in my scooter as an elderly person just watching the races every day and whatever gets me to that future lifestyle i'm down for it i love it that's i love perfect. that <laughs> like and, most and people like have career goals but that is really like the end goal for me <laughs> But we're also hoping for maybe scooping the pot of a, a pit six too, right? Couple couple scoop in the pot. Oh, you mean when you and I go to Saratoga when I'm not in a scooter this uh this summer? Well, no, I I'm just saying in general, you wanna you wanna get that pit six money. You wanna you wanna scoop that whole, you know, half oh, yeah. million I mean, dollar that's pot. The money that's gonna but yes. afford myself that lifestyle in the future. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
yeah, so that's the goal. Elderly me, don't have to work, just get to go watch the races. Can there be oh. some kind of cigarette or vaping device hanging out of your mouth as yeah, you're like screaming a... your horse across the line? It's a cigar. Yeah, I mean, who, who knows? Who knows what's going to be available then? Right, you, a cigar would be nice, but you're right. It's it's 2022. Anything's possible. Yeah, by the so. time we get to like 20, you know, 50, who knows what I'll be able to smoke legally on track? Oh, I can't even imagine where my breasts are going to be at that point. I don't even <laughs> want to think about it. Oh. <laughs> oh. Down around my knees, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's a bright you're future give, for us all. Yeah, <laughs> you're giving me you're giving me PTSD of my CNA days at the nursing home. Oh, you too, huh? I did that while I was in college. It was rough. 12, 12 years, friends. Twelve years. Wow. And God bless the elderly. This country does not do enough to take care of them. <laughs> well, you know, if you get if you get hit, really scare me. <laughs> yeah. No, old people are awesome. They're clicks and they whack you with canes and they still oh. want you to love them. So and I want to be one one day. Just hitting people. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll still love you. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you for answering all my stupid questions. Oh, they're not stupid. They're fun. <laughs> well, it was so, so fun chatting with ladies. Anything else you want to close out with with Sarah? Or I would like to luck in your bets going forward and, and your kicking ass and, and we love to see it. Absolutely. Hallelujah. We're yeah, all big Sarah fans. Yep. Uh, well, I'm a fan <laughs> of all of you. Oh. Thanks again, Sarah. Well, thank you yeah. so much, Sarah. And thanks to everyone for listening uh, this week on the X Factor. And have a great evening. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I so appreciate it. Thank thanks, you. Sarah. Have a great night, everyone.